Well, good morning or good afternoon from wherever in the world you are listening. This is Rachel McCartain and you're listening to The Plotting Shed. I hope you're having a lovely day. I'm currently sitting here. It's very grey and miserly down on the south coast in England at the moment. It's one of those days where the cloud has come so low we can't actually see where the horizon of the sea is. It's just kind of dropped on it like some big, wet, cold, fluffy duvet. But other than that, it's not too bad. It's brightening up. Um, I'd love to get out in the garden, but it's still far too wet. All the daffodils are starting to poke their noses through. There's one or two popping out into flower, which is lovely. The crocuses will be coming up soon. Again, some early signs of spring, although all my hellebores are in flower, which is very lovely. But rather curiously, so is my abutilon, which is not supposed to flower till about May or June. And it's now poking out some white flowers, which I'm sure the poor thing is terribly confused with climate change. But what are we talking about today? Well, as I said last week, this particular podcast was in two parts because there was far too much to try and get through in one little podcast. So this week we're carrying on from the episode of Boring Gardens and how we can avoid them. Last week I talked about the simple ways you can use plants to add the movement, the scent, the, the, the touch and the colour in the garden. So very practical, simple, affordable ways to make your garden less boring. This week we're looking slightly deeper than that because obviously if you've changed the, the planting in your garden, it could still be that you actually need to make some slightly bigger changes to the layout or the structure of the garden. But rather than talking about uh, how you can transform your garden by spending loads of money and rebuilding this and rebuilding that, I'm more interested in actually telling you and giving you ways to understand how you can make practical, simple, easy and affordable changes to the garden that will make it less boring so that you can enjoy being in it. The whole point of the plotting shed is to provide really relatable garden design advice as opposed to showing you how to create something worthy of some kind of show garden, uh, which most people can't do and don't want to have. So this is about trying to make, give you an understanding of why your garden looks boring and those questions that you need to ask so that you can make the changes in your garden to make it less boring. Now, as always, I've put the article on the Plotting Shed blog. Um, if you go and have a look on there, it is plantplots.com forward slash the plotting shed. Uh, it should be at the top of there, which will be the part two of the Boring Gardens. And you'll see on the post that there are some photographs of the garden which I'm describing and so it would be useful to go and just have a quick pop and look in there and, and see what I'm talking about. I will do my best to try and describe to you why I'm doing what I'm doing with the photographs but obviously it'll be a lot easier for you to visualise it if you look at the website. So how do we stop our garden looking really boring? Well we've done the plant bit as I said how do we stop our garden being boring? We've tried adding plants, we've tried 
adding movement and scent and colour into the garden, but it's still not right. So we actually might need to invest some time and some energy into some structural changes. But obviously structural changes are more permanent. They cost more. And if you get it wrong, they're expensive mistakes to make. We need to start thinking a little bit harder before you make those changes. And there are two elements that you don't really hear about in garden design programs or that they, when you, if you read about in the book, and that's why gardens look boring. Not from what they actually have, but why do you perceive them as being boring? And there are two things that you need to, to consider. Where do the lines make you look? And what actually sparks your curiosity? So we'll deal with the lines bit first. What I mean by that is when we're looking in a garden, what are we looking at? What do we see? And how do we see? Human eye has developed in is a very sophisticated piece of equipment. I mean, we can notice a vast array of colours and we can notice the tiniest little movements. But one of the things that your eyes do subconsciously is they follow lines. So wherever the lines in your garden lead, your eyes will start looking at those lines and following them down to the end. The classic, for example, is the line of the fence. Your eye will be drawn to the fence because it's a very big dominant visual line. Again, the line of a path in the garden, you'll automatically know where the path is going because your eyes will look at it from the start and track the line of the path right to the end of the garden. Lines on the patio, where the edge of the patio are, all of these make your eyes look at them. So if you have a garden with lots of very strong visual lines that lead to boring, uninteresting elements like the end of the path or the end of the garden where there's another fence panel or just a patio, you're filling your visual spectrum with boring lines. You can have strong lines in the garden, but these need to actually have something at the end of them. So for example, if you have a straight path to the end of the garden, what is it at the end of the path that you're going to look at? And if that's something nice and something interesting or something different, then it will put a lot more interest in the garden. It will make the garden less boring. But if at the end of the path, the only thing that is there is a stonking, great big, hulking, ugly brown shed, your eyes are just filled with boring visual lines. In the instance of the picture that I've put on, on the article, this particular garden has a very nice herringbone block paving patio. It has a path arcing off to a rather unusual place. And there's not a lot in the, in the garden itself. It's, it's basically laid to shingle and, and to paving. But at the end of the garden is this very long green fence. The really strong visual lines are the lines of the fence. They're the line that, demarcate, that demarcates where the edge of the patio meets the shingle and there's the line of this path. Those are the three really strong visually dominant lines in the garden and none of them are particularly attractive and that pulls the whole interest level 
of the garden down. Now, in addition to that, there are some shrubs on one side of the garden, but these are all very green. They're all shaped in exactly the same way and nothing really is noticeable. But in order to put it right, what you have to do is break up the dominance of those lines and then you need to create an element that contrasts with the garden or contrasts with the landscape outside that says, look at me. And that look at me bit needs to be, use all the facets that we that we mentioned in our last post where plants are there because they move, they've got scent, you can touch them and there's colour. Taking out the visually dominant line of the fence, we put in another fence but it was far less visually dominant. It was just a post and rail fence so you could see through it. We then took away one of those dominant lines by lifting up the path. So now your eye is being drawn to the fence line at the end of the garden, which now it's an open fence you see beyond. The whole garden appears bigger. You look further. And then to add that, we've added some really colorful foliage that contrasts with the outside environment, i.e. The, the, the green bushes and shrubs around the outside of the garden. And we've, we've broken up those visual lines and brought scent and colour and movement and touch closer onto the patio. And the whole thing is just a lot more interesting and a lot more enjoyable to look at. And really, you've changed the structure of the garden very simply by taking out the wrong things and just adding something that's that's less visually dominant back in its place. We also need to add a little bit of inquisitiveness. We need to spark our curiosity in a garden. When was the last time you came to a doorway but you didn't want to go through it? Or there was a bend in the road but you never went round it? That's not human nature. We are an inquisitive species. It's why we've explored the depths of the sea and we've gone up into space. We want to know what's the on the other side. We want to see what's round there. And you can do the same in the garden, albeit not quite on such a grand scale. But it's very easy to create a, oh, what's round there part of the garden. So again, you'll see I've, I've done a couple of drawings of a, of a very normal bog standard back garden with some nice plants in it and some steps down from a patio into the garden. And the borders here just sit around the edges of the lawn like they do in many gardens. But it doesn't really kind of push your garden buttons. I mean, it's nice, but that's about all that you can say about it. In terms of structurally changing this particular garden, a very good way of increasing that sense of inquisitiveness and what's around there in the garden is to make an entrance. If there is an entrance, we want to walk through it. So you'll see the second drawing, I've just used the, the lines of the border to create an entrance into the garden. So automatically there's a come on in element. Now, if we put the same plants back in, which are fine and they're nice and they're very attractive, We've still got the entrance to come on in, but we haven't improved the level of curiosity because you can still see everything from the patio. You know, although humans are very inquisitive, we do tend to be fairly lazy creatures as well. Why would you bother to walk around the garden when you can sit at the patio and see it all anyway? 
And this is all about trying to make the garden more interesting for you to be in. We've added a curve to say come in, but now what we've got to do is entice people in. And the way that you do that is you use some plants with some height so that when you're sitting on the patio, you can't quite see round the other side. And if then once people walk round the other side to see what there is, you have to make sure that there's something there. Now, it doesn't matter what that is. It can be a, a beautiful plant. It can be a bench. It could be a small statue. It doesn't matter that it's a collection of garden gnomes. There is something round the corner that you get there and get, oh, look, they're there. That's a nice thing to look at. And that particular element, your interesting look at me pit that you'd, that you'd hidden round behind the other plants, you can then pop that in a couple of other parts of the garden. So once you kind of go, oh, there's a gnome there. I wonder if there's any more. I'll go and have a look. Or, oh, that's really nice. That's a really beautiful sculpture. I love that little thing there. Have they put any more sculptures around the garden? It automatically makes you look, which makes the garden a little bit more interesting. Making your garden less boring is not about adding more to the garden. It's not about adding more colour. It's not just about adding more plants or some extra benches and chairs to sit in. It's about asking the question, why? Why do I need to put that there? And making sure that there is, there is a reason to go there. So for example, if you were putting a bench in the garden, why would I walk to that particular part of the garden to sit on the bench? And when I'm sitting on the bench, where would I look? Don't just add more pots, more flowers, a water feature. Let's have a pond. Let's put a pergola up because that will make the garden more interesting. If there isn't a purpose or a reason why that particular thing was there in the first place, it's not going to add more interest to your garden. It's just going to add more stuff. The space will lose its ability to capture and hold your attention because there's just stuff dotted around. And it's that that makes the garden boring. So what are the design rules from these two articles that you really need to take away with you? First thing is that straight lines are visually dominant in any garden. Now that's not a bad thing if the straight line leads to something interesting. But if the only straight lines are associated with boring things like fences or paths or the edges of patios, you need to break up those lines by using something that is taller. If there is a line in the garden, your eye will follow it to wherever the end of that line is. So put something there. Have something to see. Otherwise, it's disappointing. Add an entrance to the garden. Make yourself want to walk into the garden. It doesn't have to be an arch. It doesn't have to be a pergola. You can just reshape the lawn to make an entrance point that makes you want to walk through. Add curiosity by stopping all of the garden being seen from the house at once. So if the garden goes round the bend and round a corner, Again, have something that you see once you've gone round the corner. But always ask why. Why am I putting this feature here? What benefit is it going to bring by putting it here? And if you give the, the feature or the plant a purpose, 
then the garden has more purpose and with more purpose becomes more interest. But lastly, and there is the most important point, it's still your garden. It doesn't matter if somebody else doesn't find it fantastic or interesting. As long as you do, that's all that matters. Well, thank you very much for listening. Um, as always, if you have any queries or questions, please do email me, rachel at plantplots.com. You can upload any pictures of your gardens. We'd love to see them. You can put them on our Facebook page, which is Facebook forward slash plantplots, or you can email them to me directly and I will put them on the website. Um, you can see lots more gardening information on our website, plantplots.com. We've got designs you can download for your garden. And there's loads of advice. There's lots of pictures. There's lots of makeover ideas, garden makeover ideas. Go and take a look. If you like it, tell your friends this fabulous garden design website out there. Um, I will be eternally grateful. And I will speak to you next week. Next week's garden episode is learning how to love your garden. Because let's face it, we don't always love it all of the time, do we? So we're looking at ways that you can very simply just enjoy being in your garden. I look forward to seeing you then. And in the meantime, have a very good week. Bye for now.